Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and I'm betting you are too. So why don't you get a cup of coffee, or whatever, and get comfortable while we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy, I'm a quilter, and welcome to episode 81, in which we talk about festival, and I'm recording this on Tuesday, February 28th, 2012, and I do have most of my voice back. I've been guzzling water for the last couple days, and I think I'm finally combating the worst of the effects of hotel air conditioning. If you didn't listen to the episode that I posted yesterday, you don't know what I'm talking about. I apologize. (laughs) But in any case, things should go a little more smoothly today. I want to start out by saying, first of all, thank you so much for listening to um, all of these episodes and to all of us podcasters. Uh, It's always been fun to have communication back and forth with listeners. uh, But particularly after this weekend, I'm on a real high about our listeners. So (laughs) thank you so much for listening. Thanks for being part of this community. I also want to say thanks for a few new star ratings and reviews that I found on iTunes. Those are always helpful and warm the cockles of my heart. Uh, Be sure that if you listen to any podcast, make sure you leave them a review or a star rating. And also, no, we don't get notified. There's no, like, email, you know, automatic email when those go up. So we have to remember to go check them. Um, some people check them more often than others. I, I tend to forget to check mine, you know, every couple of months or so. I'll go in and look at them. Um, I personally do not respond to uh, the, the comments in iTunes um, just because I had to decide, you know, how much time I was spending on the computer versus how much time I was spending sewing. But do know that I really do very much appreciate getting those reviews and star ratings. Um, just a quick update on my sewing life before I get into the whole uh text, the copy, the content of this episode. Um, I am working on redoing my Mariner's Compass. I decided I'm just going to bag it and start over again. And it's going ever so much more smoothly this time now that I know what I'm doing. You know, you've got to have that kind of dry run first, I think. Um, Although I should say I'm only partway through my unit A's, which were the easy ones last time. So we'll see if it's still going well when I'm getting to my unit B's. I'm hoping to get more progress on those done after I'm done recording. Um, If not, then tomorrow I don't have much going on tomorrow or Thursday. I may be switching my Thursday schedule with my Wednesday schedule and haven't confirmed that yet. Um, tonight I've got my quilt design study group, which I'm really looking forward to. And, uh, it's been particularly wonderful because it's shared leadership. Each session, somebody else leads. And so today, um, or a couple days ago, I guess we got our email from this week's leader about some prep for us to do. And it was very simple, (laughs) very easy. All we had to do was gather a couple of different sets of fabrics. This week we're working on a little bit on value, um, and scale of print, but more scale of size of pieces in your finished work. So we had to collect some, um, one set of five fabrics that are monochromatic and then one that's multicolored, paying attention to a range of values. So everything from light to dark, five total, um, in that spread. And then, um, I think I'm not sure whether we're going to be cutting them up or not once we get there. So I not only I did monochromatic for one group, which I did all blues, and then the other one I did multicolor. Um, but in both of them, I was being pretty careful to make sure I was choosing fabrics that I wouldn't mind cutting up and using for something like this and not something I was saving for a more you know, significant prog- uh, project. So it was kind of interesting, you know, pulling fabric, saying, OK, well, I need a range of value, but oh, no, I don't want to use that one because that one's really pretty. So <laughs> find something else. Um, but I think I've got five, two collections of five fabrics each that should work well for whatever we're doing with them. 
come. So really looking forward to that group tonight. We're having a lot of fun together. All right, so let's talk about my trip to Virginia, and then I will be doing listener comments at the end. So all sorts of good stuff for today. Um, Trip to Virginia. This was, again, the Mid-Atlantic Quilt Festival in Hampton, Virginia. And um, my BFF, BQF, Kate, and I left on Wednesday. The The preview was Wednesday night, and then the conference proper started on Thursday I had some hope that we might get down there in time to register on Wednesday because we both, both of us just had wild Januaries. So we missed pre-registration deadlines, which is, we both kept teasing each other because that is so unlike either of us. Both of us are the type that like to have our ducks in a row, like to have things settled before we, you know, hair off to other states. And both of us missed pre-registration. So we packed everything that we would need for each of us wanted to get into one class a different they were different classes but they were each you know one class each <laughs> i guess i still haven't fully recovered <laughs> from my lack of sleep while i was gone sorry uh but in any case we packed everything we need needed and um just went hoping for the best and unfortunately because of what you will be hearing in a minute. We didn't get down there in time to register on Wednesday, so we weren't able to start registering for classes until Thursday morning, at which point they were both closed out. So neither of us got into the class we wanted to, um, which was disappointing for both of us, and certainly because we had already hauled you know, our sewing machines and all sorts of other equipment down there. Um, but it also made for a more relaxed schedule, and um, we also have... A good friend of ours, Kate and I grew up together. We've known each other since kindergarten or first grade. And we have another friend of ours who we've also known since kindergarten, first, second grade, um, who works at NASA in Norfolk, Virginia, which is only about 10 minutes away from where we were. So part of why we had both wanted to go to this quilt festival in the first place is because it meant we were also going to get to see our friend Kara. Um but originally, we didn't know how much of our friend Kara we were going to be able to see because her work schedule is crazy, and we didn't know quite what our schedules were going to be for the quilt conference. So once we didn't end up getting into our classes, and both of us were shooting for a Friday class, um, we made arrangements with Kara and were able to spend more time with her, but more about that in a minute. So in order to get down there when we originally wanted to get down there, which was around you know, a little bit, maybe early, right before dinner kind of time, you know, somewhere between five and seven is what I was shooting for. I left my house a little bit after 6 a.m. on Wednesday morning and, and drove to pick up Kate because she lives about 30-ish minutes away from me. Um, and by the time we got, I got to her house and we got everything loaded and got on the road, it was a little bit after seven. We were very fortunate because it was absolutely gorgeous driving weather. It was colder than a chicken's butt if that's an expression <laughs> here in rochester but we knew we were heading south so we were good um but it was just clear and beautiful we had the most gorgeous day for driving both ways so that was very fortunate um but i had planned ahead of time that the route i wanted to take i knew in my head unfortunately when i plugged it into my gps i didn't take the time to go through her little turn list to see what way she wanted to take us and then I wasn't paying attention because Kate and I got chatting. We haven't seen each other for a little while to be able to actually talk to each other. And um, so I knew I wanted to take, for those of you who live in New York State, you'll know what I'm talking about. There's 390 South, which then connects with Route 15, which around Corning, which is towards the bottom of the state. And then Route 15 goes all the way through Pennsylvania, 
um, south through Pennsylvania, a little, you know, kind of center state, a little bit to the west side of the state. Um, and that goes all the way through to like the top of Maryland. And so that's the most direct route for us to take. And besides, it's gorgeous. Route 15 is absolutely beautiful driving. Um, you follow along the Susquehanna River for quite a bit of it. Um, it's a little bit slower because you're going through some um, villages and towns along the way. Uh, so you've got some stoplights here and there. Now, 10 to 15 years ago, it was even more slow because it was only two lane. It was one lane, you know, in one direction, one lane in the other. And it's a truck route. So you would often get stuck behind <laughs> a truck. So it used to be that you would kind of try to avoid taking Route 15. But they've done a lot of work on Route 15 lately. And so it's actually four lane. I would say most of the way at this point, and um, much quicker. You're still going through some towns. A lot more towns are bypassed now, but you're still going through the center of some of them and some streetlights and stuff, but um, it it really is it's not too bad, and it, like I said, it's gorgeous, and for us, it was a much more direct route. Unfortunately, GPS lady wasn't thinking Route 15, and I completely missed the turnoff to where I should have gotten onto Route 15. Um, so we ended up then <laughs> following GPS lady south through New York State and then before we've left New York State all the way back to the eastern side of the state again to pick up Route 81, which is on the far eastern side of Pennsylvania. And I was ticked, actually. I should have paid more attention. I was kind of kicking myself because I knew that was the longer way around. Um, it's all expressway, which is why I think she wanted to do that. But... It's not the most direct route by any means. And I'm very familiar with 81 because that's how I go down to Valley Forge whenever I have to go down for staff meetings. So I'm on 81 a lot. Um, but anyway, so that we probably lost a half an hour to 45 minutes there because of going, instead of going directly down 15, we ended up going all the way to the other side of the state. But that wasn't the worst that <laughs> happened. So we, you know, we're dealing. Okay, fine. You know, we're having a good time. It's a gorgeous day. We're enjoying talking to each other. We don't really have to get there in any particular time. We're very zen about this. You know, we're just, we're having a good time. So we're now in Pennsylvania, somewhere in Pennsylvania, and I couldn't even begin to tell you where we were when we decided we were um, south of anything that I know. Because when I go down to Valley Forge, I go to 81 until Clark Summit, and then I cut off and take these other routes over. So now we're south of Clark Summit. So we're in a section of the country, or of Pennsylvania, that I'm not familiar with. And we decide, well, it's time to stop for lunch. Um, so I see a billboard on the side of the road that says, you know, McDonald's, I don't know, two miles this way or whatever. And we decide, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll get off and we'll just hit a McDonald's. It'll be fast. So we get off the expressway and we look for this billboard and we follow this billboard. And then the billboard doesn't give us any more directions. It just says McDonald's. And so we're driving on the same route, and about two, three miles down, we're suddenly in the, shall I just say, the oddest little town I have ever seen. I mean, this was literally, it was like a two-street town. It, it had two parallel streets that both kind of looked like a smallish main street, and then kind of some streets in between it. And that was it. I mean, the whole town maybe was half a mile beginning to end with these two streets. It was a tiny little town. And it was also very strange architecture. It, what it, We finally decided it was probably an old mill town or something because all of the buildings looked like they had been built on the same day. I mean, there was no variation in architecture. It was exactly the same all the way through. And it was row houses, townhouses, 
all the way through, and the townhouses were right up on the street. There was like a little narrow sidewalk, and then the the house. And all of these houses were pretty much also the retail. There was like a bank in one place and a little bit of a, I guess there was a Rite Aid or something in one place. But for the most part, the little shops, the little restaurants and everything were right in the first floor of these townhouses. And then, so we're watching, and it feels very cramped because you're driving on this, you know, two-lane road with these townhouses kind of towering over you. And we're seeing these little restaurants in the first floor of these houses and I'm sorry, but they looked really sketchy. <laughs> so we weren't about to stop anywhere there. And no, no chain restaurants whatsoever. I don't know where that McDonald's was supposed to have been. So we get to the other end of town where there's no more town. <laughs> we decide, okay, we're going to turn around. Oh, and by the way, the uh, street numbers. So Kate is trying to follow along street numbers and suddenly realized the house numbers like didn't seem to follow any particular order <laughs> so we start singing the twilight zone theme song we're figuring you know this is the town i said they're gonna kill us they suck us in with the mcdonald's sign and then they murder you and <laughs> get out of the car and so you know we're we're kind of building all these horrific horror stories about this poor little town poor thing never did anybody to hurt anybody but <laughs> we we were having a good time so we finally get we get to the other end of town get into a parking lot and I decide, well, you know, I'm, I'll use my GPS to find where that McDonald's is. And I'll plug in, you know, you can pull up icons to tell you where the McDonald's are. So I pull up the icons and it says, sure, there's a McDonald's. And I think it said it's something like four miles away. So I figure, okay, that's got to be the one it's talking about. We must have just gotten two miles away. So I, I click it and it maps us to that one. And so we start driving back out of town. And we're, by the way, this is, we're like in mountains at this point. Not, not like West Virginia mountains, but, you know kind of eastern Pennsylvania mountains. They're big, but they're not really super steep. So we go up and over this ridge, and now we're on the other side of whatever this mountain is that we're in, and we're driving and driving. <laughs> I'm looking at my GPS map. You know, the little blue line is all kind of circling all over itself and all sorts of switchbacks, and we're driving and following, and by now we're so far away from the expressway that it wasn't even worth giving up. You know, we're like, no, we're going to find this McDonald's. So we drive up, we're going in through these homes and these farmlands, and we're on the steep farm road with these fields out on either side of us, and GPS lady says, take your next right, and I took my next right, and there we are on a very narrow seasonal dirt road, <laughs> and it's completely rutted out, and I, Kate and I just burst into giggles. At this point, we've completely lost it. And so we're, she's singing the song to deliverance. We're driving down. I'm trying to keep my car on the road because it's just bouncing back and forth. But I'm also thinking I drive a, a Highlander SUV and I'm figuring he's probably having the time of his life. This is one of the few times he's actually getting to be like an SUV off-road, you know, so he's bouncing around. And, and the thing kept saying that we were narrowing in on the McDonald's and we're looking around saying, no, there's no McDonald's anywhere here. We finally get off that dirt road. It said to turn left. We turn left and in about two seconds later, it says, you have arrived at your destination. <laughs> and we're sitting there next to a barn <laughs> and we've just completely lost it. We decided that we really should go up and knock on the, the barn door and ask for a burger and fries and <laughs> just see what happened. There was no nothing there. There was never any sign that there was ever any restaurant or retail location or anything within five or ten miles of this place. We were out in the middle of nowhere. And somehow my GPS had decided that there was a McDonald's right there <laughs> that it was going to take us to. 
So anyway, finally at that point I said, okay, you know, I plugged back in whatever the next town was or something to get us back on the expressway. And and we finally, you know, after about another 15 minutes, made our way back onto the expressway. And we swore at that point we were never going to look for another McDonald's the entire trip. We were a little snake bit on it. Eventually, about 15 minutes later, further down the expressway, we found a subway that was like right off. We could see it from the expressway. So we had lunch there. Um, but... <laughs> That's really pretty funny. And I told um I was tweeting about it that night when we did finally make it to the hotel and, and I really have to laugh. Quilted Magnolia, Katie said, uh, oh, so you had your GPS in Lewis and Clark mode. <laughs> and I love that image. That's that we said that the rest of the week is that we weren't gonna put our GPS in Lewis and Clark mode anymore. Um, now, I mentioned my friend Kara works at NASA in Norfolk, and so she had sent us a tip about how to avoid that D.C. traffic, but that involved having to get back over to Route 15 at Gettysburg. So here we are on, on 81 or wherever we were at that point. So we actually stopped at a gas station and we bought a physical map because the GPS lady was not going to get us to Route 15. She refused to do it. Um, so we got a map and kind of crossed back around to the other side of the state again, and we got back on Route 15. And at, at that point, then GPS lady decided she was just going to give up and go along with us, so we didn't have any problems with her after that. Um, unfortunately, the traffic in D.C., by then we were hitting rush hour in D.C., and it, it wasn't as bad as it probably could have been. Um, but we did, because we were hitting, we were on the outside. I don't remember what the route number is, but we were in Dulles. And we kind of connected with that kind of a little bit south of Dulles. So I think we did miss the worst of the traffic, but it was still pretty heavy. And by then we were, you know, exhausted and needing to get out and stretch our legs. So I don't know where we were, but we found a restaurant named The Electric Palm. And it was actually a really good restaurant. It's like a kind of a tiki bar sort of place right on whatever that river is there. Um, There's a marina outside it. Not too many people there, but we had a really nice dinner. Um, and then we could see the bridge that we had just gotten off of, so we were able to watch how tra- heavy the traffic was. So we decided to go ahead and have dessert, too, because there was still a lot of traffic. Um, and by the time we finished dessert and paid, then we could tell traffic was much better. So we went ahead and left then, which meant we didn't get into our hotel until about 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> We, we really like it. Remember, I had said I thought we were going to get in around 6, maybe 7, and here we are there at 10 o'clock. We were completely and totally fried. But I tell you, nothing ever feels so good as stretching out in a bed after you've been sitting up in a car for 14 hours or however long we had been on the road. Um, but, you know, all that being said, again, it was beautiful weather. I, you know, I said to Kate a couple of times that that trip would have really worked my very last nerve had I been doing it in snow or rain or anything like that, but it was gorgeous sun. So it was really a pretty, pretty trip. Um, so, you know, and we had a great time. We talked all the way down. I had saved some podcasts and stuff for the trip just in case, you know, Kate needed to sleep or we ran out of things to talk about or if she was curious about some of these podcasts or whatever but we talked all the way down it was great (laughs) so it was a lot of fun um thursday we just saw the show and then we attended a lecture by ami sims um who is very very funny if you ever have a chance to attend a lecture given by ami sims and by the way ami is ami a lot of people pronounce it amy sims it's not it's ami sims she's the one that does the um the alzheimer's quilt project And the lecture was Living with Quilts, which was basically her um, showing pictures of how she's got, where she uses quilts and things in her house. Um, But she's she's just a stitch. So it was exactly what we needed, you know, to kind of relax and and regroup. 
that night. I was supposed to stay for a second lecture after that, um, I think with Wendy Butler Burns. But th this is the one thing I didn't quite get about the convention center and this quilt show. Everything shut down at four o'clock. I mean, the show would go until five or six o'clock at night, but all the concessions would shut down. And then, um, you know, so if you don't have something with you to eat, you're out of luck. Now, I suppose we probably could have gone over to Embassy Suites and get um, dinner, but you don't really have enough time if you stay between those two lectures. So not knowing that ahead of time, I hadn't eaten before the lecture, before that first lecture, thinking, well, maybe I'll be able to grab something between. I get out, there's nothing there. And even at that, we went down and I was kind of thinking, well, maybe I'll go back to the hotel, grab something. You know, I was kind of trying to work through these various scenarios in my head. And I went to go into one of the bathrooms. All the bathrooms were locked up. I think they must have only left one set of restrooms that's kind of in the hallway where the lectures all were open. Everything else was locked up. And I thought, you know, how do they expect people to stay for lectures if everything's closed down? I did find that a little bit odd. And Kate and I talked a lot about, you know, which came first, chicken or egg. Maybe they lock everything up because nobody ever stays for the lectures. Or maybe nobody ever stays for the lectures because they lock everything up. Who knows which one it is? Um, those of you who go to this thing all the time, maybe you can give me some history on that. It, that I just found that a little bit weird. Um, it would have been nice to just have one little snack corner or something open. Um, but that being said, I was also so tired by then. And because I hadn't eaten, I was hungry. Um, I decided to just bag the second lecture and, and go back to the room. Um, and we had dinner in our hotel at that point. Um, so then Friday, like I said, Kate and I were both supposed to be in an all-day class, but neither of us got into our classes. So instead, we were able to meet up with our friend Kara, and she took us on a tour of NASA. And we got to play in a flight simulator, actually two. One was like an airplane cockpit kind of thing. And then the other one was a computerized um, one, software that they're testing out. And uh, <laughs> I, we learned a technical NASA term for when you crash land, you're lawn darting. <laughs> both, both Kate and I lawn darted on <laughs> the flight simulator. Um, but it was a lot of fun. It was really cool getting, it was fun getting to meet all the people that my friend works for. And it's, it's always fun for me to be able to say, yes, I do indeed have a friend who is actually a rocket scientist. Um, but that being said, the buildings at NASA themselves are not what you would expect for something that's, you know, really high tech and does a lot of cutting edge work. The, um, as I told all of us growing up in the town that we grew up in, it's a college town and at least half of the kids that we grew up with had parents who were college professors and all three of our dads were college professors. And so I, I was joking as we were walking through the building where my friend Cara has her office. I said, boy, this smells just like the building that my dad's office was in <laughs> at college. It, I think it was probably built the same year. It's the, the old brick buildings with the tile halls and it just has that kind of musty smell to it. Um, and so it's kind of weird walking through this really rundown building, but knowing that they were doing all this really high tech stuff. So that was, it was interesting. It was great to be able to see my friend cause I haven't been able to see her in a while. Um, so anyway, then Friday afternoon, we went back to the show because we were both uh, going to the lecture with Deirdre Mac McElroy, McElroy. Um, and the lecture was called Be a Fabric Detective. Um, 
it was all about what the actual definition of quality fabric is. And we all talk about, you know, you need to use quality fabric in your quilts. Well, there is actually an industry definition for what quality is, and it has to do with thread count. And fabric, as you know, is woven, just like any textile. There's a warp um, thread, which AJ of the quilting pot, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's what goes up and down, and the weft is what goes across. And a quality fabric has a equal number of warp and weft, or as close to equal as possible of warp and weft threads so that the proportion is a one-to-one -one ratio. Um, so you might have 78 threads to the inch one way and then 78 threads to the inch the other way. That's going to be a one-to-one -one ratio. However, um, most fabrics do not have a one-to-one -one ratio that uh, particularly as the economy gets worse and cotton gets more expensive, that one of the places where they will try to save a little money is having fewer threads on the weft than on the warp so that you'll have a higher number of threads going up and down than you will across. And so it's sometimes you will have a fabric that say 78 threads to the inch up and down, but only 60 threads or something back and forth um, on the weft. And what that does is it means it's stretchier than you would think it should be. So, you know, and she goes into much more detail than that. And she also talked about um, a lot of chemical things and basting sprays and all that kind of stuff. It's a really, really informative lecture. If you, again, if you ever have a chance to hear her lecture um, or she has not written a book about this information, but she did say some of this information is in a book that she did write on hand applique. My friend has the book. I don't, so I don't know the title of the book or anything. But if you look up Deirdre McElroy, M-C-E-L-R-O-Y, on Amazon, I'm sure you'll find it. And she said some of this information is in the front of that book. Um, that what happens is when the, the thread counts, when the warp count and the weft count are not that close to one-to-one, -one, um, or the further away from a one-to-one -one ratio they get, the stretchier it gets, not on the bias, but actually warp or weft-wise. And what I was able to, what this, I, I referred to it, I think you, if you listen to the conversation we had at the meetup that I posted last night, you'll hear me, one of the, one of the listeners, I think Laura maybe, um, asked me to talk a little bit about that lecture. And what I said was I found it very redemptive because if you remember me talking about my niece's quilt that I did for her for Christmas, it was a um, fabric line called Sausalito. And it worked my very last nerve because I would cut these squares and rectangles. And then when I'd go back and look at them later, they didn't seem to be exactly square, um, you know, even. And it was driving me nuts because I was cutting extremely carefully. And what I decided back then when I was looking at it, when I picked up the fabric and kind of started tugging at it, it was a really stretchy fabric, but it was 100% cotton. It wasn't supposed to be stretchy. And what hearing what Deirdre McElroy was saying was like, that must have been what the problem was, that it was just a different, it was an uneven thread count. So the way you can tell this, she actually does have a tool, I believe she calls it the rose tool, I think is what it was called. And it's a, a plastic piece. Um, it's a piece of plastic, you know, kind of like value finders are, only this is clear. And then it's got a moire, which is M-O-I-R-E. And that's a mathematical proportion. Don't even ask me. I don't know what the proportion is. But it's one of these things where you kind of get the squiggle in the line when you hold it up against threads. I can't explain it well. Go on, you know, find her website or whatever and look at it. But you can use this tool to 
figure out what the thread count actually is. There's numbers along the side, and where you see the bump of the moiré, you look at what number it's pointing at, that's the thread count. Um, and then you hold it the other direction, and you can see the thread count on the, the weft. Um, what I'm going to do, I didn't buy the tool. My friend Kate did buy the tool because she's a hand quilter, so for her, actual thread count matters a lot when you're hand quilting because it's going to change, you know, how wide your stitches are or how small maybe <laughs> your stitches are going to be or whatever. For me, the actual thread count probably doesn't matter. But what I have learned to do is when I look at a fabric, if I'm concerned about it, um, to give it a tug along both grain lines, about along the widthwise grain and the lengthwise grain, that's the warp and the weft. Um, and you will tell, I mean, it's really not supposed to stretch that way. The more it stretches, the more you know that that's not an even ratio thread count. So that was kind of the one piece I took out of that lecture. Now, again, her lecture had a lot more information in it than that. Um, and I'd really encourage you to, if you have a chance to take a class with her or do a lecture with her or something, make sure you do that or pick up whatever her book is that I don't know the title, so I'm not even going to bother posting a link. So that was Friday night. And then that night we went out to dinner with Kara and a bunch of her friends from work. Um, I had true Southern barbecue, according to them. Um, pulled pork, which I love. I've pulled pork up here. It was very good. Um, particularly good was the cornbread. Um, I think the name of the restaurant, for those of you who are locals, I think it was the County Grill. And I think maybe we were in Norfolk, but I'm not positive exactly which of those towns we were in at the point at that point. All I know is I drove about 10 minutes from the convention center. <laughs> So just aim 10 minutes and find the county grill. Um, it was very good. Saturday, Kate spent the day with Kara um, because she knew I was going to do the meetup and, and she really wanted to be able to take that time um, and do friend stuff. So I started out in the morning just doing a little bit of the show myself. Um, and then I met up with Francis. Francis got there around 10.45 or so, I think. And then we did the meetup at 11.30, which um, I already talked about this a little bit in yesterday's episode, so I'm not going to spend a long time talking about it, but just to say again, I had so much fun. It was a hoot. Loved doing it. Thank you to everybody who was there. Hope we get to do it again. Um, I do also want to give a shout out to one of our listeners. I'm turning my head now, so it's going to sound a little funny. Hang on. There it is. Um, and I know I just listened to AJ's episode about the meetup as well. And she talks about her. We all want to give a shout out to Kim, who is the quirky quilter. And she talked about it a little bit on yesterday's episode, but I don't know how well you can hear her. Uh, Kim is um, does a program for guild meetings, retreats, conventions, or anything that's, that's humor. It's a trunk show and song parodies about her quilting journey. Um, She's gotten rave reviews. She's gone across the country. If you want to uh, explore more about her, unfortunately, Kim, she does not have anything on YouTube or a Facebook page or a website, which we gave her no end of grief about. And Kim, I want you to have all of those things by the end of 2012. <laughs> uh, just giving you a little encouragement. Uh, but in any case, if you want to email her, you can. Kim Fess, K-I-M-F-E-S-S, all one word, at AOL.com. And I will put a link to that on the website. Having met Kim, she was a hoot. So I can only imagine that a program that she did would be very, very funny. So I do want to give her a shout out. Uh, but we really enjoyed meeting all of our um, listeners. It was 
just so much fun for me to be able to put faces with the voices of these other podcasters who basically have moved into my house for the last couple of years, some of them, some of them less um, more recently than that because they've only been podcasting for a little bit. But you really feel like you get to know somebody after you've been listening to their podcast. And so there's none of that awkward trying to get to know each other. You're like already three quarters of the way there when you finally meet in person. So that w- that was a lot of fun. And yes, indeed, we are talking about trying to at very least do another meetup um, next year. I do have a problem with the uh, Mid-Atlantic Quilt Festival dates. However, they do fall on my daughter's birthday. Um, And this year, because my daughter, because of when the birthday fell in the middle of the week, my husband and I went up to see her the weekend before her birthday. But I don't know that I'd always be able to do that. So I'm not sure I'm always going to be able to get to Mid-Atlantic Quilt Festival, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, but we are hoping to, you know, I don't know, do a quilt cruise, do a retreat. I don't know. Something. Something. Anyway, we had just had a lot of fun. As you can tell from the recording, we just giggled our way through our conversation. And the recording was about 45 minutes out of, I think, probably all together. We were together about two and a half hours because we met up at about 1130, waited around there until a little bit after 12 to, you know, make sure everybody had found us. Then we went up and had lunch together for about 45 minutes to an hour. Then we did the recording for about 45. So we spent a lot of time together and we were just laughing the whole time. It was so much fun. So thank you for that. And thank you especially to Karen Carter and Paula, um, who both helped us kind of with the on the ground logistics. Really appreciated all their help as well. Um, Okay, where am I now? Oh, and then... Uh, after the meetup, everybody kind of dispersed and we did a little more show and shopping. And then I got to have dinner with Francis and Pam. Everybody else had disappeared by then. We kind of kept an eye out for folks and couldn't find anybody. So sorry <laughs> that it ended up being just the three of us then. But again, we had a very nice time. Um, good to get to know them even better. And then Francis bunked in in our, in Kate and my hotel room. Uh, that night, we had gotten a roll away for her, and uh, she got to meet BFFBQF Kate. She's the only person that got to meet Kate, so she can prove that, indeed, Kate does exist. I think they bonded over knitting talk, because they are both knitters. I was on my iPad during that <laughs> during that part of the conversation. Um, and then Sunday morning, Kate and I met Carr again for breakfast and just headed out. Uh, we got home much more efficiently because at that point I knew where Route 15 connected. And so we were able to take Route 15 all the way home. Um, it was, again, a gorgeous day, beautiful sunshine the whole way home. And getting home, it only took us about 10 and a half, 11 hours, I think, rather than the 14-hour um, death march that it was to get down there. Um, although I will say that we did skip dinner because by then I was like a horse going for the barn door, just wanted to get home. And we had some granola bars in the car. So we just snacked and got home. Um, so I got home around probably 8.30 or 9 o'clock Sunday night and just crashed, as you know. Um, so let me talk about my purchases. I posted a picture on my website. I am not going to post any links or anything because there's just too much and I just don't really want to take the time to do that. Um, I'm also not going to really be able to give reviews because I haven't used most of this stuff yet, but I do want to talk to you a little bit about what I got. Um, By the way, if you listen to AJ of The Quilting Pot and her uh, list of what she bought, she was much more organized than my list was going to be. She divided it into fabric and tools, etc. Mine's just a list, sorry. Um, 
I do know that when I go to events like this, I tend not to buy regular fabric because I figure I can get my hands on that pretty easily, even if they've got good prices or whatever. That's not my main goal. When I'm at an event with a lot of vendors, I'm looking for either, one, things I'd never seen before, didn't know about, and want to learn more about. Um, I do look at demos. I kind of watch what people are doing. And then I look for items that I can't easily get back home. And so at this event, that meant I tended to be heavily into the um, kind of art quilt sort of things or embellishment, not embellishments themselves. Like I didn't buy beads or um, what, you know, yarns or anything. Although there were a lot there that I really, I kept picking them up and putting them back and picking them up and putting them back. But without having anything specific in mind, it was hard for me to decide, you know, I don't want to collect a bunch of random stuff. So I just noted <laughs> what was available, I guess. I did buy a couple of things of fabric. Um, actually, well, I bought a lot of one kind of fabric. There's something that's called cross-woven fabric, and it was made in Indonesia. Um, this was the, the one booth I kept going back to again and again. I think I went back every day I was there, and they got to know me. Um, it was pretty funny. Um, I don't have in front of me the name of the place. And actually, it was two businesses merging. One woman had just bought out the other one. So even if I said what the name of it is, I think it has changed. But I will see if I can dig that up. That one I might post on the show notes because it was a really impressive collection. Um, there were other places that had ethnic fabrics. This place, I thought, had the best ethnic fabrics, the best selection, and it was just very well displayed. It was a beautiful booth. Anyway, this cross-woven fabric, what it is, is it's woven with one color on the warp and a different color on the weft. So when you look at the fabric in different lights, it takes on different colors. It is the coolest, coolest stuff. The fabric itself is plain. There's no print on it or anything. It's all about the color. And there are these gorgeous, saturated jewel tones and deep, deep colors. I just fell in love with them. I told Kate the first day we were there, and when I first saw them, I said, this is, you know, I, I turned to her and I said, don't you see fabric sometimes that you love so much you just want to eat it? And she looked at me and she, she said, no. <laughs> I just had to laugh because I was like, okay, well, maybe that's just me, but, the, you know, you just want to, like, take this stuff in and make it part of you. It was gorgeous. So I ended up buying... 12 half yard cuts because I couldn't decide what colors I wanted. They're all beautiful. Um, so that was kind of like my big splurge fabric. I also at that same booth, I got one panel um, that's, I think Indonesian, I'm not sure, but it's a figure of a woman and it's got a, a kind of an abstract dog underneath it. I think it's got a fish on it too. Um, really, really pretty panel. And I think, you know, it's the kind of thing I'll just be able to put a couple of borders on and it, it stands on its own. It's just gorgeous. Um, other booths, I also bought some Shiva paint sticks and then some paint sprays and rubbing plates and stencils. And I've already blogged about those because I did play with those a little bit. So be sure you check my blog for more information about that. Um, there was a booth called Laura Murray Designs and Laura Murray herself was right there. She's also got a website and uh, she was demonstrating using the Shiva paint sticks, etc., on some of her fabrics. And that's where I got some of this material and I found some of it in other places as well. But um the other thing I bought from her booth was she does a lot of painting on um, kimono fabric, like antique kimono fabric. She does uh, hand dyeing and painting and stuff. So she had bags of scraps that you could you would pay, I think it was like $7 for this plastic bag that was just stuffed full of scraps. So I decided, well, what the heck, you know, and I, I bought a scrap, a bag of scraps and there are some gorgeous fabrics in there. So I'm really glad I got that. 
Um, I did buy one pattern, a Christmas tree pattern, because I'm an absolute sucker for Christmas stuff, and I could have bought a lot more, but I cut myself down to one. Um, I got some Tap Artist transfer paper, and I got a book about using it, because I've read a lot about that, and I have gotten completely dissatisfied with using the... Um, the what printed treasures and the uh, there's a couple of different brands of the fabric sheets you run through your computer um i'm I'm just done with them i really want to start using other methods to see if i can get better or more interesting kind of results so i've been looking at that for a while so i did go ahead and pick that up i did get a package of um two and a half inch strips of uh, Stonehenge fabric. It's not a jelly roll because they're not moda, but that's essentially it's 40 two and a half inch strips of Stonehenge. And, and I'm kicking myself now because at one point I had this brilliant idea of what I could use these particular, this package of strips for, and now it's gone. I have no idea what I was thinking. Unfortunately, it'll come back. I did buy two kits. Um, they are Big Fork Bay Cotton Company kits, just like the Serengeti one that I had done. But these are, um, they're called Pug Casso, P-U-G-C-A-S-S-O. They are really adorable dog patterns. They're not a realistic dog. They're kind of cartoony, but in a really artistic way. Um, they are, they're just, I kept walking by the booth thinking those are so freaking cute. And I finally ponied up and bought them. They're really, really adorable. Um, and I think one of them I might do fairly soon because my friend Kara has a couple of dogs that look just like one of these dogs in one of these kits. So I think I'm going to make her one of them. Um, but those are just adorable. I did pick up a couple more yo-yo makers, but they're the, the ones that do the different shapes of flowers because I'm really currently into the idea of dimensional flowers on quilts. <laughs> I, I got those so I could play with them. And uh, the last thing I think I got was... Uh, the, a pair of the Karen K. Buckley applique scissors. Now, I already have a pair of clover applique scissors that I really love. They're the kind with the slightly serrated edge, so they really cut cleanly and they hold onto the fabric. Um, but these Karen K. Buckley ones are much, much smaller. I would say that blade is maybe an inch and a half, maybe two inches, whereas my clover one's a four-inch blade. So it's got a really sharp point and it's much smaller, so it'll be really good to get into very tight corners or cutting little itty-bitties. Um, so those were my purchases, and like I said, I can't give any reviews because I haven't really played with any of them yet, um, but as I do use these, you know, I'm usually pretty good, I think, about giving reviews and posting links and stuff as I do, uh, as I go, so you'll eventually get that information. Okay, listener comments. Um, have a few, so I'm not going to be responding specifically to everybody. I did want to say I got an email from Amy, and she was having problems with the security feature on uh, my my podcast site. Um, for some reason, she kept trying to type it in, and it keep, kept, and it wouldn't accept it. And I've had that happen periodically, too, on a variety of websites. Sometimes that security feature just gets crabby. So what I can say and what I said to Amy is, you know, Walk away from it. Try it again on a different day. Sometimes, you know, just the moon and stars need to align just correctly. The other thing you might want to check is your scripts, whether or not you've got scripts turned on or off. And sometimes I've seen it as a flash issue. Um, so, you know, those are just a couple of things for you to try. Um, Chris is uh, doing the Lorraine Torrance design three and I had her send me some pictures because she had sent me some before about a year ago when she was doing one of the previous um, set of Lorraine Torrance classes so she is uh, just seeing her pictures and hearing what she's uh, doing 
I would love to do one of those classes at some point in my life. Unfortunately, there aren't any anywhere near me. So if you ever have a chance to do any Lorraine Torrance design classes, make sure you do. Um, Laura's having a fantastic experience and learning all sorts of great stuff. Um, heard from Laura. Had fun with you too, Laura. Thank you so much for being there and for emailing us. It was great meeting you. Connie commented um, a few times on different blog toasts. Uh, toasts. <laughs> So I must be getting hungry. Blog posts. Um, she uh, actually pinned my beef barley soup, and I did find it on Pinterest, Connie. So thanks for doing that. Um, thank you to, so much for uh, Margaret, who listened to um, the Meet at the Waterfall conversation right away, it sounds like. And she was pleased that we had given a shout out to Canada. So uh, hello, Margaret. Hello, Canada. And Kathy has rubbing plates and Shiva paint sticks, so my blog about playing with those inspired her to try. Um, and uh, Sandy said she also has the Karen K. Buckley scissors, and she's left-handed, and those scissors still really cut well for her. So all of you lefties out there, be sure you pay attention to that. Uh, hello, Litter de Verum. <laughs> That's Lori. And uh, Lori has recently done a gorgeous quilt, so check out her blog as well. Loretta loves her yo-yo makers, and I'm looking forward to playing with mine as well. And Sandy of Quilt Cabana, we're so sorry. I think this is Sandy of Quilt Cabana. I'm sorry if it's a different Sandy, spelled the same way. Um, was supposed to be at our waterfall meetup, but wasn't able to get there this year because she was down with a cold, and we're sorry you couldn't make it. We loved it. And Jay, yes, a lot of art quilt making will be going on at my house soon. Um, sorry, Claudia could not get to the meet at the waterfall because she lives in Germany. But <laughs> we gave you a shout out anyway. Um, oh, Loretta also ate the beef barley soup and loved it. And her father-in-law loved it. So thank you so much for letting me know about that, Loretta. Um, by the way, Loretta put her own little spin on it. She added a little cayenne pepper and a little chili powder. Now, I am not particularly a spice person. Uh, if you're a spice person, that does sound like it would be wonderful. So thank you for adding that comment, Loretta. Um, oh, Sandy. Same Sandy? I don't know. Different Sandy? Still spelled the same way. Was wondering how big my soup pot was, because she's not sure she has one big enough for this whole recipe. I don't know exactly how big it is. I'm thinking maybe a four-quart, five-quart. It's a Dutch oven. It's a large one. It's one of the uh, cast iron ones covered in enamel that you buy from Target. I think they're all about the same size. So if you visualize one of those, that's how big my soup pot is. That's what I always use, because I can brown everything right in that same pot. Um, yes, and Michelle said, to feed all six of us, it does take a vat. Yes, this that recipe will be a good um, size for you. Um, Colleen was also planning on making the beef barley soup. Sandy. I think this is a different Sandy. I don't think this is the same one um, as Quilt Cabana Sandy. I don't know. Uh, but she said she can identify with Pam on the engineer geek thing. I'm Sandy and I'm an engineer. She says <laughs> spreadsheets are one of the best ways, ways to organize information. Um, she said she also identifies with Francis and most of the others on the whole introvert thing. Our family is three introverts. Uh, me, husband and son number two and one extrovert son number one we've never been able to figure him out and <laughs> let me tell you he can't figure you guys out either uh, and she says she's going to be looking for more information on the cruise or next meetup so we hope you can make it um noni <laughs> what she commented on my last episode 
but one, number 79, in which we paper piece, um, where I announced my current challenge, if any of you can write me a new introduction. And she said if she could write an introduction, she'd write one for herself. That's why I keep saying music to my ears. And Noni, that is your introduction. I always wait to hear that, music to my ears. And Kelly V, we love Kelly V because she comments on everybody's podcast. Thank you, Kelly. And she said she had never thought about the command hooks for hanging wall quilts. Excellent. So definitely, um, they are. I love them. They work really, really well for me. They don't stick, however, to textured walls. I gave my son a couple for his apartment, and they won't stick on his walls. His walls have just enough texture to them. They're not stucco or anything. They look smooth, but they've got a little bit of a texture to them, and they won't stay up. So I've got to find figure out some other way for him to hang the little wall hanging I made for him that has the UB logo on it. Um, I think that's it for this episode. I have, as I've said, I've got a couple more episodes uh, to be able, that I can post out of the festival, a couple of interviews that I got. Um, and Jay and I are still working on trying to figure out a time when we can record our next segment in the design series. And I think we're shooting for this weekend. It sounds like we're maybe narrowing in on a date. So hopefully we'll have some more of that coming along as well. Meanwhile, I'm going to keep working on my paper-pieced Mariner's Compass, and I've got to get back to some of my other UFOs. Um, I've got some machine quilting I've got to do, and I've just got to get them done. So, But this is my first week that's really just kind of a normal week in my sabbatical. Uh, week number one, I was sick, and then I had a lot going on. Week number two, I was out of town at the quilt show. So this week, not sick, and... Still have some stuff going on, but it's settled down into a manageable schedule, and I don't have all the errands to run that I did my first week. So I'm feeling like I'm actually being very productive this week. Feels good. So that is it for this episode. You know where you can get in touch with me. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can follow my blog, Quilting for the Rest of Us, at blogspot.com. Um, I will have that's all linked on my uh, show notes. You can follow me on Twitter, Pinterest, Goodreads, um, Flickr, Quiltcast, Supergroups, Seamed Up, Stitch Talk, Time Spoolery, Google Plus. Pinterest, did I already say that? I said that. All of those places, I'm Sandy Quilt, Sandy with a Y, Quilts with a Z. And of course, Quiltcast Supergroup, and then join the Quilting for the Rest of Us subgroup and the newsletter. And you can join our Kiva team and find us on Facebook. And you will find links for all of that at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And so, until the next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. Thank you.